LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Claudia Miller about empowering women in leadership roles. Claudia Miller, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks, John. I'm so excited to be here today. It is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from North Carolina. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about women in business and women in leadership roles and how we can pull more women into those roles, how we can empower women within those roles, uh, and all of those sorts of topics. As we get started, I wanted to share Claudia's bio with everybody. Claudia Miller is a sought-after career coach for women in tech, and she's helped her clients land fulfilling jobs at a senior level. She also partners with companies and organizations in identifying rising stars within their organizations and providing strategic insights and support in developing a leadership and talent pipeline with a focus on women and women of color. And I could go on Claudia, but I think I'm going to pause there. Anything else that you would like to highlight from your background or personal context before we dive on in? Yeah, I, you know, I've worked across probably 26 industries at this point. Um, so I worked across all levels of leadership. And one of the things that I really enjoy is really helping uh, women, especially like ambis- ambitious, career-driven women, move into those senior leadership roles, whether a manager trying to move into a director position, directors trying to move into a senior director or at an executive level role. And it's a really important needed component, the, the coaching and the mentoring uh, to help people navigate. And especially if we're thinking about not just women, but women of color, you know, you're adding layers to the challenges that uh, one might face, you know, uh, in terms of the lack of privilege uh, in comparison to say their white male counterparts uh, who are going for positions. And so um, helping people navigate that, uh, especially if you know, they don't have a, a really great support system around them, or if there's not a good mentoring structure within the organization they have to be in, happen to be in, um, you know, it certainly can be challenging. So having uh, people like yourself to help with the coaching and mentoring um, uh, for women to be able to to land in those types of roles, I think is tremendous. Uh, it's more of what we need if we hope to to close the, the gender gap in terms of roles in leadership for women in organizations and senior and executive leadership. Um, but also the wage gap, 
Um, one thing I wanted to just start with in terms of level setting and, and laying the, the, the groundwork and the framework for this episode is if we can just talk a bit about those gaps. And, you know, I've, I've seen industry reports that have even suggested that um, women, you know, as a cohort have been set back even a generation um, over the last few years due to the pandemic and the challenges re- in, in relation to the pandemic. Um, maybe you can speak to that as we begin, and then we can start to dive into how we can move more women into leadership roles. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely in the past few years, especially since 2020 pandemic happened, um, it actually impacted more women and specifically women of color. Whereas even, we, you know, we hear about you know salary discrepancy, women are not getting paid equal pay. And most of the time we hear like, oh, we're, you know, women make around 80 cents on the dollar, but to be specific, it's Caucasian women make 87 cents, 80 cents on the dollar. Whereas if we look at black women, they're making around 63 cents on the dollar and Hispanic women are making around 54 cents on the dollar. And this is just for the same role. So literally they're getting paid half the portion or half the salary um, versus our white male counterparts. So this definitely drove a lot. And actually, we are making less now because of 2020 since that happened and it impacted a lot of the women. Also, when we look at some of these reports, and one of the reports I really like is Women in the Workplace by McKenzie, where it shows that for every 100 men that get promoted, around um, 84 women get promoted. And as we can see, like there starts building that discrepancy around it, where as you continue to move up to the top of leadership, there's almost a 75% drop, whereas men and women are getting hired at the same rates when it's entry level, but they're just not getting promoted at the same rate. Therefore, there's less women in those leadership roles. There's less of those opportunities. But yet data shows that when we have more women in senior leadership roles, it increases profitability. It also you know, helps in um, increasing patents. It also helps with mitigating risk within organizations. And that's only when we have at least a 30% of women in senior leadership roles. It's when businesses can finally see those results coming in. And not only is it the right thing to do, but it's great for business when we have this great gender diversity. So there's the, the human case, there's the business case. It just makes sense. So whether you know, you're inclined to think, oh, you know, I I know there are plenty of people who, who look at those gaps that you just talked about and they're like, yeah, but, and then they start to come up with all these excuses or they say, yeah, but we're not comparing apples to oranges. I'm like, no, when we're talking about 80 cents on the dollar or uh, the various numbers that you raise that, you know, we're controlling for different factors. (laughs) Like we're trying to compare apples to apples here. Like it really is a true discrepancy um, in the aggregate, of course, not in every individual circumstance, but in the aggregate, we see this discrepancies. And so, you know, when, when people might be hesitant because they're like, yeah, it's, you know, maybe, is it really there? Or they might have other excuses or whatever. It's just important to remember that this is, there's a huge business benefit for this in addition to the human benefit. Like it's just the right thing to do. It's the right thing for people um, to do Um, either way, whatever's going to motivate you to do it. Let's, let's focus on how we can do this better. Uh, and give more truly equal opportunity to everybody, not just a name, not just in compliance, but in in true opportunity uh, in how we we frame up um, how our organizations are structured, and the systems and the processes that can sometimes inhibit um, the 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 flow of women and women of color into these um, leadership types of roles. And it's you know there are bigots out there, there are sexist people out there who are just blatant, you know about it. But I think most people probably are trying to 
be good and write by do right by others and don't have nefarious intentions. Um, but there are systems in place. There are processes and procedures in place. There's just tradition in place that make it difficult um, to, to bridge this gap. And that's why it's just so important that we, we pay regular attention to this and not allow ourselves to get distracted from it. Otherwise we end up with, you know, what's happened the last few years where women and particularly women of color have been disproportionately negatively impacted by the impacts of the pandemic. It was hard on everybody. No one's questioning that. No one's saying it was easy on white men. It was hard on everybody, but it was disproportionately harder, especially in terms of careers for women and women of color. Uh, and we and that's just a fact and we just need to acknowledge that and then we can start to move forward. So let's start exploring how we can we can proactively start to move more women into leadership roles. So if we acknowledge these gaps we recognize we should be doing something about it. Then the big question is, well, what can we do about it? You know, we're, we're trying to hire, you know, hopefully we have good hiring practices. We're trying to hire the best person for the job, regardless of gender, regardless of race, ethnicity, whatever. Uh, how do we start to create pipelines and start to uh, create opportunities for more women to move into these roles in a, in a proactive way? Yeah. And I think I really like how you said, because it is comes to processes and systems because it does impact on what we do and that accountability factor. Um, if we were to focus this more as an organizational level, definitely it starts with those systems that we have in place. Uh, how are we looking to, you know, how are we measuring performance? Who are we, we're posting a job, is it gender bias or is it actually speaks to all genders? Because data shows that when we have job descriptions that are more male dominated language, you know, like roll up your sleeves and, you know, you got to be the hunter gatherer type. Like when it becomes more of that verbiage that attracts more men, women are almost, um, they deviate from applying to those types of jobs. But when you create job descriptions that don't use those gender bias uh, type of language, and it's just very neutral in language in itself, it does not deviate men from applying. So now we have both, and you know, a very diverse pool of candidates applying to those roles. So start with those job descriptions. And it talks about really of understanding of having the accountability, saying, hey, we're going to hire more diverse talent, but not keeping people accountable, that's really not going to make a change. What we really see change is when we start impacting, and it's part of like KPIs, for example. I've seen a lot of organizations where they'll say, you know, we're going to open a job posting. And unless we have 50% candidates that are diverse or women, we cannot release the rest of the resumes because we don't have, we haven't hit that metric. Well, my question to them is, well, what are you doing to gather and entice more other different types of whether it's women or diverse candidates to apply to these roles. Are you still just posting it on certain job boards? Or are you being more strategic around it? Are you placing it maybe in HBC universities, maybe in women association groups? Where this posted so that we can drive those candidates? Because then from the manager receiving end, they're thinking, oh my God, I cannot fill this role and I can't get access to any resumes because we haven't hit that 50% and there's just not enough women applying. Well, because there's not, we're not targeting women. We're not being strategic in our efforts. So really understanding of not just putting something in place, but how are we going to drive there? How can we ensure success? And then afterwards, really having an understanding that everyone is accountable for it. And I always feel like there's always somebody like this in every organization where let's just say like, um, let's just say like John Doe. Let's just say like, oh, you know how John is, or and I know it's John, so maybe we'll change it to Bob. 
like you know how Bob is he's just like old school way like that's just how he is and if that's just how he is and it's not driving what the organization is looking to do they're trying to increase profitability increase diverse leadership well then Bob maybe does not deserve to be in that role does not deserve to be in a manager role maybe Bob needs to go somewhere else but not letting that go just because that's just how they are. And it's really understanding of how can we keep everyone accountable? How are we measuring it? Where are we currently at? How can we get there? And how can we ensure success so that way it does is really true of being able to attract that? And then from then on, it's really having understanding of, well, how do we move more women into senior leadership roles? What are we currently doing? Because a lot of organizations I've seen is, they have great talent, yet they're looking to hire externally. They're always hiring externally. And all of a sudden, you know, it's starting, you know, when you, especially when it comes to the high level leadership, a lot of these leaders come in and bring their own people. And all of a sudden there's like this thing happening versus saying, you know, we have really great talent. Let's keep that knowledge within the organization. How can we develop them? How can we, you know, start grooming our next generation of leaders and how can we continue moving that up and making sure that it's diverse as well? So that way, you know, we are able to do the right things and not just target a certain demographic. Yeah, I love that. And again, a lot of it is just implicit bias or it's not necessarily in the forefront of people's minds. Um, They're just, you know, I, I, I had a recent dialogue with, you know, a team in an organization um, you know, they're dis- not even disproportionately. I mean, they're almost completely predominantly white men, <laughs> you know, they, they, they all have their reasons for it. And they're like, no, gender doesn't play into this at all. Like we, it's not part of, uh, how we're thinking about this. And, and, and I believe them that they believe that. And I, and I, yeah. I don't think there's any nefarious intent. Um, but, but when you look at, you know, hiring committees that are made up of only white men, um, uh, when you look at, what the job postings look like when you look at the type of interview questions they um, use, when you look at, you know, what they tend to prioritize in terms of what is the most qualified um, and often things that don't really matter as much, but it's just kind of traditional, you know, things in their field that they think should matter. Um, All of these things only perpetuate the problem. And so then that's how you end up with departments like that, where you have, you know, it's, it's like 90 plus percent white guys, um, all who are good guys and doing good work. Uh, no one's questioning that. Um, but are we really saying there aren't women who can do those roles? Uh, that's, that's crazy. Like no, nobody's actually going to argue that. Uh, and so it starts with making sure that we're challenging our assumptions around what's the most important for these roles so that the job descriptions and the interview questions can reflect, you know, the reality of what the role requires, as opposed to, you know, just falling back on what we've always used in the past, uh, making sure that we have some diversity represented in the hiring committee so that we can um, get different perspectives in the process and maybe some push, some gentle pushback even, or even aggressive pushback at times when necessary. Um, I was even, there there was a recent um, team I was uh, they were hiring for an executive role and they did have gender diversity. There's a, there's a hiring committee of five people, three were men, two were women. Um, on the face of that, that looks great. And I'm glad that they were paying attention to having some gender mix. The problem was the, the roles of the three men versus the roles of the two women. Um, there's a big power gap. And so then I'm thinking, okay, do, even though there are two women on this committee, do they really have the same voice or at least the perceived voice to be able to to uh, share their their thinking around the hiring process and the decisions that are being made, and I, you know, I I, I question that. I, I I don't think that that's truly a fair 
committee um, and it could impact the outcome of that hiring decision. And, and, and those are the types of things we need to pay close attention to that could easily go overlooked um, you know, because we're kind of checking the box. We're saying, nope, we got our women on the, on the committee. We're good. No, but do you have the right people um, at the, in the, at the right levels and the right roles who can provide the right kind of input and imp- uh, with an impact? Those are the types of things we need to be thinking about. Yeah. I love that. Cause I feel like a lot of organizations will just say, well, we have, you know, we're trying to increase our, you know, more women into our organization. So we're at this percentage and we want to increase it by this percent amount of percentage points, but it's really looking into, well, of those women, even race, we're breaking it down. And like you said, at what level, if there's a certain women are all entry levels and yet all the executive leadership is made up of men, then it's not true gender diversity. Um, and like I said, one of the data shows that you for organizations to see true profitability, and I think around 12 to 15% increase is women need to be at least 30%. And that including also like board positions and executive positions, 30% needs to be composed of women in order to see that true change. So having that just one person say, hey, we're diverse, we have this one woman, you know, where's our profitability? It's not going to happen like that until you have at least 30%. And that's just, I'm not even saying like, make it equal, like 50%, just even 30%, you see like that big change when it comes to the organizations, how they're able to thrive and increases innovation and patents, all these things and benefits that come from that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, let's talk about pipelines. Let's How, how do we start um, to to generate pipelines within organizations? Hopefully we're doing the things like you said, we're, we're having inclusive hiring practices, we're posting in diverse places so that we can attract different types of applicants. Uh, hopefully all of that. Uh, in many ways, we're talking about external, bringing external in. Uh, there's also opportunities to develop pipelines within so that you're developing the talent within your organization, preparing them for future roles. What has been your experience as organizations have tried to um, develop those types of pipelines? What has worked? What hasn't worked? Uh, what, what could we start doing today to start making a difference with that? Definitely, I would say like establishing clear job description, performance, and metrics. That's really important because what I've seen too around organizations, and I work with, you know, not only with organizations, but also with clients one-on-one with their career coaching is really that, you know, they might get great performance metrics, but it's not enough to constitute a promotion. Yet their male counterparts are getting promoted. So what is really happening here? And is that true? Um, You know, is it fair for it? Because we need to understand like what are the true performance indicators that we need to do? What do we need to do? And we cannot just change it based on that person, who they are, and really having that understanding of that. Um, definitely the other thing would be is having sponsorship when it comes to that. A lot of women, you know, as we know, we make a very small percentage of the executive level. So there aren't that many women that we can say, well, let me tap into this vast network of women who are executives, but how can we create that sponsorship? How can we create these opportunities and really looking at even some of the practices, because I've had clients where, you know, they've done, they've gotten really great performance remarks. They've done really great work, yet they're still, they found out that they're paid, you know, one of my clients actually found out that she was getting paid $50,000 less than her direct reports once she was moved into that manager role. And that's after she received an increase for her manager salary. So like those things should 
like clearly you can look at that data and you can start seeing, well, we're not paying them accordingly. We're not getting, uh, we're not paying them fairly. And when they do find out that they're not being compensated equally and they're not being appreciated for their work and they're not getting promoted, that's when my clients say, you know, I love this company or I made, I've done some really great work, but I don't want to feel appreci- unappreciated anymore. I don't want to be underpaid. And they leave. And all of a sudden, the company comes with like, oh, you know what? Actually, we can't give you that promotion. Oh, we can give you that salary where had they done the right thing from the beginning, my clients and other job candidates wouldn't have to be job searching and seeking elsewhere. So even like those practices around it, I feel like a lot of companies and organizations really penalize um, and this is just overall their employees for being loyal. If you're there for 10 years, I guarantee you that you're being underpaid. Uh, someone externally can come in and get paid more, yet the employee that's been loyal to the organization does not get that same treatment, does not get that same pay. So really having an understanding of like, where are we now as an organization? Are we actually paying them adequately at the way they should be? Are we promoting? And if not, why aren't we promoting? Why isn't this happening Oh, is it because we didn't have enough, you know, maybe candidates or employees that are women applying for those roles? If they're not, why are they applying for it? Are we creating them an environment where we're grooming them for those leadership roles? We're introducing sponsor opportunities. Maybe we can develop something like a leadership pipeline where application-based or nominated-based, and then once they go in, they start creating almost a curriculum to start helping them develop those leadership skills in order for them to move up. And not only is this, you know, a lot more cost effective just from an HR perspective and helping with like retention when it comes to employees, it also builds that great pipeline. These are loyal employees that are, you know, very ambitious that want to continue moving up and advancing in their careers. It just checks off a lot of those boxes when you have a really great program like that. But when you hear sometimes, um, I've, I've heard some organizations where our leadership doesn't have time for this. Well, as part of leaders, it is your job to really cultivate, groom the next generation of leadership. And if they don't have time, maybe they don't deserve to be in those leadership positions. That should be a portion or a fraction of their role to really start developing that talent because we know that they're not going to be there forever. So how can we continue doing that? And I was actually looking at another stat and it was something ridiculous, like around every day, around 10,000 boomers. Um, are leaving the workforce and HR people are struggling and organizations are struggling to fill in those leadership roles. And that's because they haven't been building this leadership pipeline. So why not, you know, be more proactive? Why not, you know, really profit and not profit, but just really benefit from all of these great additions that happen from building that leadership pipeline so that way you're not in that position where you're scrambling. And a lot of these organizations are, you know, impacted very negatively just because they can't find enough leadership or trained leadership and that are ready for these types of roles. I mean, we're really talking about a win-win kind of scenario here (laughs) for organizations who are struggling to find talent and struggling to fill positions. Um, You know, so many open positions. uh, If we're just talking domestically here in the U.S., just in the U.S., you know, there's so many open positions that are, 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 uh, when you're talking about senior level positions or highly technical positions, oh, there's just skills gaps, there's experience gaps. There's just so, it's so hard to get good people. Why in the world aren't we creating more pipelines generally, but specifically as it relates to women, women of color, so that they can fill these roles. They have the experience, they have the 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 skill sets, the competencies and capabilities. Sometimes the only thing that's 
hurting them in addition to being a woman, you know, and, and perhaps the implicit biases they're facing is, you know, maybe they took a few years off in their career, you know, because of family reasons or whatever. Right. And, and should that matter? Should that matter and keep them from moving into these roles moving forward, uh, which is only making it harder for organizations to fill these roles. I mean, it's just, it seems like a no brainer that we should be doing this more. It's the right thing to do from a business case. It's the right thing to do uh, from a, a human case. One other quick thing I just wanted to mention, I was, I was interviewing uh, researchers out of, um, I think it was perhaps the University of Queensland in Australia, one of the universities, the main universities in, in Australia. And these, um, these behavioral economists were doing research around opt-in versus opt-out um, mechanisms for uh, the impact on women in leader in leadership roles in organizations. And so most organizations have a opt in kind of mechanism, you know, for internal hires and, and for those types of roles. And if you have an opt in, you know, th- there's a position open, people have to express their interest. Um, and that simple mechanism disproportionately benefits men over women, uh, oftentimes for many of the reasons you already mentioned around men just being willing to throw their hat in, even if they don't meet most of the qualifications, whereas men, women want to feel like they meet, you know, 90 plus percent of the, the requirements for the position, et cetera. Um, when they, all they did was they shifted from an opt in to an opt out mechanism. So they just automatically assumed that everyone on the team would like to be considered for a new role. And as soon as they changed that, um, they saw the the gender gap in leadership roles erased in almost three years um, because now they're just looking at performance and they're just looking at, well, who who's good, who could be good in this new role. And, and they weren't waiting for people to say, I want this role. They were just looking for who could do it well. And then they would approach them and say, hey, I, I think you should be part of this process. Um, that simple mechanism made all the difference. So there are lots of little things we can do to make a difference. Uh, we need to start doing it now. Um, and it's only going to benefit the people on our teams and our organization as a whole. Claudia, this has been a great conversation. I know the time and I need to let you go, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience, how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then uh, give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, so they can find me at ClaudiaTMiller.com. Also on LinkedIn, I love to share a lot of like career advice, organization advice as well in there. So you can find me on LinkedIn, also Claudia T. Miller. And, you know, one of the things that um, I would say, like, as far as our, our conversation, I'm a firm believer that organizations have a responsibility, but also as us individuals, we need to meet them as well. We have to have our own responsibility. So we can talk so much about organizations and clearly we... We want to be moving in the right step of the, you know, of where this conversation is leading to. But, you know, just feel like, especially if some of your listeners and you're feeling like, well, how am I supposed to get ahead when it seems like everything is against me, systems are against me, job descriptions are against me, is really knowing that you have control over it. Focus on what we can control, how to sell yourself. How do we advocate for ourselves? How can I get my word out there? How can I have these conversations and my belief is like, if your company or organization doesn't promote you, promote yourself, start mm-hmm. looking externally. If you know you're ready for that promotion or that next position, go externally, learn how to sell yourself or work with a career coach. And this is what I help my clients on. Like, how can we prep you so that way you are able to take control of the interview? How can we elevate you? How can we elevate your brand presence? How can we make you a sought after candidate? Like, these are things that can be learned and these are things that are within our, our control. Now, organizations, like we mentioned, there may be some really bad organizations that, you know, are being 
you know, misogynistic or they're not, you know, practicing really great um, ways on how to really bring in that inclusiveness. Well, then there's other organizations that are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to figure out things. And there's those types of organizations that we, I always say, let's focus on what we can control. And then let's go towards where we're wanted and then where we feel fulfilled. Um, And that's really going to just post to focusing on like, well, this is not happening for me. Everything's stacked against me because Yes, and unfortunately, life is not fair, but we still have control and we can find and we can change the results by doing the work. Yeah, well said. Claudia, this has just been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Claudia can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Ew, gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. Because it stinks, boys. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Tell me why. No, you tell me why I can't get rid of this odor. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Wow, it worked, guys. Yeah. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products.